want to assemble a task force of the most dangerous people on the planet who I think can do some good. They're bad guys. Exactly. And if anything goes wrong, we blame them. We have built-in deniability. What makes you think you can control them? Okay. Welcome to the I Need a Minute podcast, part of Tenthia Seniors Network. Um, took a little break, took a little West Coast break. <laughs> That's what it was. Do not do that thing where you say I do seven podcasts every week. I didn't even say no. I didn't I even say no. You don't do seven podcasts. I've been trying to, but uh, life has been getting in the way. Hey, you guys, is not practice, man. Life is lifey, you know. Very we will endeavor to do better as the world is getting back to normal. I feel like we could get back to normal on being on. I feel like if Oprah's getting back in the game, then we need to get back in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like to look at us as on the same class as Oprah as interviewers. I mean, it ain't no difference when we used to interview people. We was just as good. Like when we yeah. doing an interview series, it's the same. I used to do that but, same hand motion. Like, I can't believe you just say that shit. Kind of. We would have completely been mean. Like after the Loretta interview, if she won and yeah. that shit took off, like imagine Loretta taking the country through the whole COVID-19. Would have been much better. Let's be honest. Like we would have been popping. We would have been good. We probably would already have vaccines right now. Yeah. They doing Confident. that today, by the way. Oh, just the first oh, vaccine as, day as in the Bahamas? We're, we're we're recording this on a Sunday. They live yeah. stream the first healthcare worker getting the vaccine, and Minis and his wife are supposed to get it at two. We're recording this at around noon right now. Oh shit! Dog, let me tell so you. So they something. turn into titans. We know what happened. Let me tell you something about the comment section under the live stream when this woman was getting vaccinated. Okay, we are fucking South Park. We have the yeah. dumbest people on the you watch, planet. You watch the vaccine um, episode on South Park? Yo, I actually was watching South Park, the new season, right when you messaged me in South Park. Okay, still. yes, yes. So yeah, I'm, yeah. Almost, yeah. I'm almost there. But okay. we are the dumbest people on the fucking planet. Like, yeah, I, 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 cannot, I cannot accurately describe to you the level of ignorance and stupidity in that comment section. And I know every comment section on the internet is like that, but this is a special branch of hell. Now I have to go read it. Now I'm gonna you go back to. and read it. You got to. You got to. <laughs> oh man. Okay, but but this podcast, uh, we should have segue right into to O, uh, because we're going to talk about at least at the beginning of the pod. This is not going to be our whole pod because this ain't yeah. our thing. Oh, this Even was a part of the only one. reason we back is because Shawnee messaged me <laughs> in the middle of the she week did it to you too, right? And say, like, and say y'all doing a podcast on Megan and Harry. I was like, hey, I know. <laughs> Because we thank you. It's so long. I'm I was like, honestly this is gonna be our way back in. I was honestly wondering if it was just me because, like, she hit me up like it was an emergency, and I was like, "Dog, I didn't even watch this shit. I was I watching all star you." Definitely not. My exact response to her, and then she said, "Men." Yes, I assume I, both of us said the same thing to her. I was like, "Wait, Lillard and Steph Curry are hitting threes from half court with regularity." Yeah. They was going one on one on the same team in a game. I, I'm sorry. And then I learned that this interview was two hours. And then I said, oh, no, 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 no. There's no way I'm watching a movie of this interview. All right. <laughs> give me give me the cliff notes and I can take it and run with that. I'll listen to some of the smart people I know talk about this and then I'll go from there. But I am not watching this entire Hold interview. Hold on. And then the best part was when I said that this might be a topic we do for a bit of the podcast. 
it's not like when we do other topics and I send a link and be like, read this or watch this. So I'm just like, you no. can figure it out. Yeah. You can, I mean, can muddle our way through this. Listen, it, the, you might as well just call it the story of time. Like, this is what it's been. <laughs> Okay. This is what this is what has been for black people since the beginning of time, right? Like this is it. Can I What's just different? say, like, like before, I don't even know if we could even get to the interview. But my biggest thing with this was like, it almost started to read like Meghan Markle just discovered she was black, that she was just in so many white spaces for so long, and was like a pretty woman who was like kind of white passing. That she was like, oh shit, they think as a nigga yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's what that's what a lot of this read like like her being um and I, I get it like call it out when you see it but you know like the biggest thing for a while is like megan is going in interviews just straight up saying that you know she's a mixed person and really leaning into that and we all know that like in the tiger woods documentary the same kind of thing about being quote unquote blasian like you know what ask white people and we've said this on the podcast a bunch of times like ask white people and they will tell you that you are you are black <laughs> and like when she's going about like like saying that kind of thing it was like it was in a in a way like is she doing this to um try to like please the british public or ease into it or what is like the real reason that she is reacting uh this way and because there's a difference between when you are obviously a black person, like visually, right? And then when you're a light skinned or a mixed person, and then when you're straight, just you look white. Like one of your parents might be black, but you straight look white. And to say that there isn't a difference in between that is, I think, a little ridiculous. And that's what she was doing. So when whenever like a Meghan Markle controversy would come up, that would be like, I, I'm taking everything one with a grain of salt and two could be like she's right about what's happening to her because the stuff with the British tabloid the BuzzFeed stuff about her and Kate doing the same thing and being covered in different ways completely accurate on her part but I would still be like eh, Megan relax I'll be 100% uh, real with this and I feel like I gotta say this on the front end because everything I say about her is viewed through this prism I have never let go of her as Rachel Zane. She will always oh, yeah, be, yeah, yeah. She will always be Rachel Zane to me. Yeah, 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 I yeah. still kind of look sideways at Harry because this is Mike's girlfriend. Like, what are you doing? I watch them go through so much. Her and Mike and, on a break right now as she with this ginger. Yeah, like, and I'll yeah. be real, watching Suits until they showed Bunk as her father, I did not know she was a person of color. I honestly did not know. Like, I had this Stugatz Jonathan Coachman moment. <laughs> I honestly had no idea. It's a that deep she cut for black. anyone who don't know who Coach is. <laughs> right. Right. And and then I saw they they had uh, Detective Bunk because he's also Bunk. They they had yeah. Bunk as a father, and I'm like, whoa. And then I looked it up, and I said, oh shit, she's biracial. And I understand. Look, and if Andrew was here, he would make some joke about me knowing about the plight of the biracial person, but. I get it, you know, like, I, <laughs> I, I get it. I understand not, not being black enough for, for one group, not being white enough for the other group. So it's kind of like culturally you have to find the space that you identify with and you got to find a way to traverse that on your own. Yeah, but motherfucker, but you know. You, you know, and like you just said, if you don't know, these they will tell you to tell you and remember <laughs> remember a few me. months ago it was a huge thing we had in our chat group talking about the same kind of racial identity 
And us telling one of our friends, it's not going to be different in the Bahamas, but like you cannot raise them to just think, okay, I'm straight down the middle of this line. Because the people on one side of that line are going to tell you what you are. No matter what you think you are, society is going to put you in this place. That's just what it is. And you have to learn how to move like that. And the, the crazy thing about this situation is, and where you had some people pushing back on it saying, you're, you have these issues occurring in regular families, right? You are going to the extreme of this society. Like they don't even want to fuck with regular white people. They you call people commoners. Yes. They do- <laughs> what the fuck are you talking Harry's, about? Harry's mom was a great lady, but to them, she is just a regular person. Like, they, and this was a white woman that they got. They even say the that it's almost like not a, a controversy, but a semi-controversy. Be like, wait, you're marrying an American? Yeah. Like, think about that. Just an American. <laughs> like, they have so to classify you as that. You had so many things going against you. I don't think it mattered how straight your hair is all the time because you yeah. are still always going to be seen as other. And again, I'm going to say this. In normal families, people have these discussions when you have a biracial couple having a baby. People have these discussions whether they want to talk about it or not. I have a friend. In black families. Yeah. I, well, in, no, no. No, black in black families, if you if someone is married, someone who is light skinned, that is that comes up, that comment is made, but it isn't made in the same like. I think I was listening to the Bill Maher podcast, and they were like, "We have to be able, like, when talking about like cancel culture, any kind of thing like this, like we have to be able to define intention uh, differently than um, when someone is saying something with." What's the intent behind this? So if a black mother says this and someone in her family is a a light-skinned baby, like that intention might be different than the intention of someone in the royal family saying, I mean, you got to tell us like what kind of shade we could be dealing with later. Like we talking like you or because your mother's darker. So would it come with like your mother? Like, I mean, and they didn't say to her, they say to Harry, which is also saying that they knew that's not the kind of question you broach. And, but but this is the kind of listen. I have had some firsthand weird ass questions from white people who just don't know better. But I am always curious, and I want to ask them: Why the fuck do y'all think we would know this? Like, how do you think Harry would know what this baby is going to look like? How do you think uh, Rachel Zane would know what this baby is going to look like, and then be able to tell him? We don't fucking know. <laughs> like, we don't know how it works. You know when Jesus power <laughs> to like, see into the future. <laughs> Why uh, is, black people clairvoyant? Can you know? Can you tell? We're, we're going to talk about this later uh, when we get to the Oscar movies, right? But why is it always the, the, the onus is always on the minority to teach the majority how to treat them? Like, black people aren't the ones that created the social construct of racism. So why is it on us to teach white people everything about how this how we're especially to now especially with google especially with if you are just, for instance people in the royal family they're supposed to be uh worldly right you're supposed to be royal you get educated on i this think kind of the shit. opposite of worldly but i'm because saying like you if anyone has time to google some shit it would be those people well yes <laughs> yes that's what i'm saying so you're making like a, a proactive choice to be like i'm gonna look this up what percentage, what percentage of their typical day-to-day activities you think you think involves doing work on your own to educate yourself on anything? 
you know what? I could have just stopped that sentence on doing work yeah. on your own. Yeah, like, yeah, what no. percentage of their day do you think it. that is? Maybe but, six? But this is my thing, right? Like, how they did this interview. And I'm not some pro-Megan person, but, like, how Megan was leaving that out there. Like, she worked in Hollywood in the entertainment industry, like, leaving breadcrumbs. Like, I can tell you, you could just have to guess. I mean, I know who it is. <laughs> and then they refused to say who the person was mean like implicating everyone who's in the shit because imagine not saying that shit be like wait i do that what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> saying everyone. and the beauty of it is like when you think about it we know like who three or four people out of the royal family so that really could have been like the 87th nigga down the line but he just hangs around when he was just asshole. like at the party <laughs> and then asks a question and yeah. harry be like and you know, this is, I believe, like, Harry would have keep that shit inside and he pillow talk it. And Megan was like, what? And he's like, fuck. I was just this, trying to get laid. This is another thing that's 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 come up, right? And I think this, I think, uh, I think it was Ash who was talking about this saying, it, it seems as if, well, Ash was an only one because that's a common sentiment that was around with people speaking as if he was kind of being dragged along this whole thing, like, like she's the one it's being framed as she's the one who had to axe the grind and he has to kind of like you know begrudgingly go along with support his wife yeah which i don't think is the case because everything we've seen from him from the time he was younger was you could see him trending towards i hate this entire system i hate this entire structure like i'm Mm -hmm. of it but i don't want to be a part of it so I absolutely think he was co-signing everything that he that she was saying, but it had to be her moment, right? Because she's the person of color. That's why you let us start. He's like, you know, yeah. you go solo first. Like, I've Oprah asked the questions, and then I could come in like a back cleanup, you know, in case there's anything. You'd be like, yo, it's a, everything she says like is legit, a hundred percent. Because even for her to say that at in the interview is that they had a discussion before, and Harry's like, yeah, say that. I mean. You feel like they, they got to know what they're doing is wrong because they have done this before. Well, not before I, in terms of Black people, but before in terms of people coming from outside the family. And is like the part that people kind of like don't reconcile or aren't reconciling is that the tabloid media that's covering her is covering her that way because tacitly members of the royal family feel that way about her. Because if they have this agreement, and that's what I that's what I don't get. Like when Megan is complaining about the media, people just say, Oh, that's the media. Why is Harry attacking his family? Because his family could stop it and be like, you know what, y'all like getting information from us, from the people in the institution or the firm or whatever the fuck you call it. That could easily be stopped if they said something. We will cut off your information sieve if you don't have kinder or at least treat her equally to the way that you treat Kate. I think he just wanted them to give her the same kind of vocal support that you would give to someone else you know what i mean so yeah it's 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 seen as blatant to them that she's not she's not getting the kind of she's not she's not being embraced fully in mm-hmm. their eyes i thought that's what it was she's not being embraced fully as a member of the royal family whether that's the american thing like you said but it's you don't know someone's American until they tell you, you know, immediately when you look at someone that they're a person of color. So that's also, a much easier identifier. But part of this. Uh, Except for very, me, because I didn't know Rachel's name was black. Yeah, I, don't, I, I still don't know. Like, what did you think she's Latin? Could have been. 
Okay, that that I, that I could I could give you, but like when you say like you didn't, you thought she was just white because I've made because a joke, I've made a joke, be like I can't care about another white one, <laughs> like that, I didn't care about this that much. But, see, in the pencil suits, they didn't show her at the angle that would that would be easily to discover to easily identify what she was because I need certain angles to be able to tell that they never mm. showed it from that angle, mm. so you know. I'm I not going go back and rewatch this. suits. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Or you could legit just Google her name and pencil skirts is a full. Uh, she's got a full discography there. It was a go to. <laughs> so uh, to get back, my other thing would be, listen, dog. I even just watching parts of that interview, I could see that this is a, a trained Hollywood person because. I would say this gal being dramatic, like at some points, not not at everything, but when she was talking about who make her, yeah, but when she was talking about who make her cry about the dress, <laughs> get the fuck out of here! Why is this a topic? And it also made me think because of COVID, this becomes a much bigger thing. Without COVID, yeah. with everything else going on, like this gets like some drips of information. But again, another fact: everyone being home, just consuming this. It forces you, even if you don't care, to then have a take about this. And then if you yeah, get an okay. argument about it, you ultimately end on the side of, I don't know why you're getting so aggy because I don't care this much. And Oprah's last big interview before this one was with the Michael Jackson accusers, right? And while that had attention, it was it did nowhere near the numbers that this did. So I think you're right. It, it is a combination of several things, uh, COVID being a part of it. A part of it is people just love this salacious bullshit. Like nothing, nothing is more important to the average person on social media than relationship shit. And when you sprinkle a little race into it, given everything that's happened in America over the last year, you got the perfect storm for it to garner everyone's attention right here. Like this is, this is a reality show built into a social justice protest built into anything dealing with the Royals that just does big numbers, whether it's a wedding, whether it's a scandal, anything at all. So you had all of that going on at one time. So people like us got caught up in the crossfire where we just had to pay attention to it. That that's just, it is what it is. But my question about the whole thing, like, and I, I don't want to be the guy that's going to say, well, what did you think? But what were her expectations of how these people were going to take this though? Or even irrespective of how they were going to treat you, how did you think they were going to treat and look at your child? Because I would have been skeptical about all of that stuff from the very beginning. Like just understanding what the Royal family is, understanding this culture that you're going into, because I think America is one of the most racist countries in the world. This is America's OG. Like they literally gave America the game. <laughs> That's what it was. What we, did you we think said it, about these people? We made a joke that if America, if Britain is uh, the Michael Jordan of racism, America is yeah. LeBron. America yeah. is yeah, like right fair. on that corner. So you're like, always going to argue who's the greatest. Change, but it's change the too. game. Change the game is more dynamic, more athletic with their racism, like really took it to another level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so we... <laughs> The group America's has a better rebounder and passer. <laughs> like, clearly, like, what do people think? But the, the other thing is, like, 
not, not only what did she expect, but I think at some point you are, like it, it became a tidal wave for her. And I think that, and I honestly believe this, like I said this at the front, that is, is she recognizing that she's black now? And when I say recognizing, because if she always is identifying as mixed and is in conversations in Hollywood where she can just be white passing and then hang up with a bunch of white people, if that's what she wants to do, she didn't have to reckon with it in the exact same way that other people would have to reckon with it. So her expectations could have been that this is going to go completely smooth because I am I'd, I'm going to be a princess in this family and the public is going to love me for it. And because I'm giving you another air that you would love this even more because even why this line is the family line is because the great grandfather um, became king because his brother abdicated the throne. So if that's the reason you could say like, oh, okay, well, what if William decides he doesn't want this and abdicates, then the line is going to be ours. And like, it could happen because that's why Queen Elizabeth even got this. So all of that being said is that she could be like, be grateful for this. But um, I think that she was kind of taken aback because people represented one way and then behaved another way behind her back. And she kind of like slowly saw it as the tabloids kind of uh, turn on her. And that could be the reason why she is quote unquote taken by surprise, even though she shouldn't. Like I like being black in America, having black parents in America is that would you be educated on this shit or would you not? And don't shake your head. Like there aren't people in America who think that way, who are, who I think like obviously have that kind of uh, sentiment or, or believe that kind of shit. And th think about it. Like how come we don't ever hear stories about her? Like, Anyway, like dating like someone black. Like, why are the stories Pierce Morgan and like Ryan Rosillo that I know? <laughs> like, that's the kind of dude she going after. Dated Ryan Rosillo? No, she didn't. No, but Ryan Rosillo was like, he had a moment. He had a chance, I think, to like hit on her at some point. Oh, it's just a funny God. story. He didn't actually thank date Rosillo. But like, that's the kind of shit that I mean. And she curved Pierce Morgan. And that's why. That's another thing that like gave this story even more legs is because like she curved Skip him and Bayless. he's had a vendetta on her. And he, he turned into my whole career is going to just be coming after her. Hold on. I just had a thought when you said that. Did Skip Bayless try to hit on LeBron? And LeBron was just like, bro, I'm just not like that. I'm not going to tell anyone that you're like that, but I'm going to leave it alone. And we just have to go our separate ways. Do you think that's why he dedicated this portion of his career to just absolutely doing the same shit that Pears Morgan was doing? With I think he, he, he basketball hit on him, yeah. He oh, I was thinking him. real hit on him, like not basketball hit on him. But you think he wanted to become like his Howard Cosell? And yes. Yeah, he, he, he was he was saying, hey, do that. Windhorse can't be the guy. He's not on TV. I'm, I have a bigger platform. Like, Let me be yeah. your guy. Mm -hmm. And def, LeBron is was just like, no, true. no one's going to be my guy. I'm going to be my, I'm going to be my guy. Like, I, I'm going to yeah. empower my people. I don't need you. And then Skip mm -hmm. Bayless decided, all right, well, all I'm going to do is talk shit about you for the rest of my career. Eventually, at 69 years old, I'm going to sign a four-year, $32 million deal. This is going to pay off. Yeah. So that's that's, that's exactly how it pairs it. Morgan Head just bet then. All right, you left me at the Just think about this, man. It's like a, a cottage industry. Like if you hate someone famous and you are constantly on TV talking about them, and then that person continues to be popular, you have a career. You get to stay yeah. there forever. 
and You're that's always what he was doing. And he, he would like I even watch like some of the Good Morning Britain clips because he was so vehement. Like he just believed that she was lying about shit and not even saying that, okay, maybe she exaggerated. He's like, no, straight up she's lying about like the mental health aspect of it. She was lying about um uh, the the racism aspect of it. And to me, the part that obviously seemed true that she was not lying about it was especially the mental health aspect because people How do you sometimes can't take lying about that no but people can't take viral if they go viral for anything sometimes or have a, a viral tweet or a viral photo that goes you know everywhere so imagine if that is your life constantly for months because we've even joked on this we're like wait never won't go viral for shit and if that's yeah. happening to her every single day and i the part i did believe was when she said that um she would try to avoid reading the paper and then actually hear about it. Because there's only so much you could not Google and then you just like, okay, it's going to filter to you and affect you. I could totally see how someone in that situation would feel boxed in like, I don't have freedom. As strange as it sounds and as great as it's, uh, as the idea and imagery of being a quote unquote princess is, there are so many things that, that goes along with that and the life that you have to live not on your terms being in that situation where that could feel like you're restricted from doing anything that you want to do. There's no more yet. Like when she was talking about trying to go to lunch with her friends and that was an issue, there's no more just moving free. Everything is protocol based on the standard and the way that they want you to live. So it's which not is, going to be the stereotypical princess story that people think it is though. Which is just very dumb. Like it's dumb that there's a royal it is. family. It's the dumb that people follow it. The interview was dumb because you have a billionaire being um, a billionaire interviewing millionaires and then them talking about life in the middle it's of a pandemic. It's dumb that this thing is still important. All, more than half a million people died and people have lost their job and the economy is upside down and only benefiting like one side of the wealth gap. And you like when you take that, like when you zoom out, shut the fuck up like a lot of times you like shut the fuck up about this yeah yeah like i I got i got nothing else on that that's just annoying me the most yeah i mean my initial reaction to the whole thing was yes this is this is annoying but like like we started off by saying uh shawnee forced us to look into this because this is this is this is very important to her and as a friend of the program she felt like this was she just something like, that she was like okay y'all y'all come back to party and be like okay sure. to talk about this wouldn't happen if you stayed with mike is all i'm saying and mike just trying i just i saw a meme where it was like um you know artists black artists during um black issues come up or when racism is is talked about and this is obviously before like black lives matter thing black artists before then like was a blind man with a cane right and then um black artists when they don't get nominated for a grammy and then a picture of malcolm x like right after that's what this situation reminded me of fucking megan that's that's always what it was right like it like it has to come to your doorstep it it absolutely has to come to your doorstep for you to for you to take issue with it and i i don't know what she's like you said you saw other interviews with her where she wasn't forthcoming about well, her identity i didn't know anything about her other than suits but you know what you are now my the funny thing about this to me the funny thing about this to me was so you feel like you were facing racial injustice and you ran to america <laughs> that's the place well she was that one was like trying to get away from the tabloids. Well, no, she didn't run to America. She ran to Canada and then Oh, uh, okay. Okay. See, 
That's a much better choice. Okay. She went to Canada yes. and California. She didn't go to Texas. <laughs> she didn't go to New so, York. She um, just went to, they went to Tyler Perry's house. Uh, old boy got Rent 75, free. old boy got 75 million votes. I don't think it's just limited to Texas. No, I agree, but I'm saying that they went to <laughs> yeah. Tyler Perry's house. Oh, that's a country <laughs> to, in itself. To stay with on their own, right. They went which is, which They is, went hanging out to a billionaire's house for free until they could buy a property. And this, this is so fucking stupid. It's, it's so amazing, by the way. Like, Tyler Perry, bro, you know what you could do with your money? Why don't you, guys and them got a baseball trip we're trying to find sponsors for. How would you come help us instead of giving these billionaire people someplace to stay? Free rent, Sponsor free this team. Free lodging. That's. I mean, that's all. I because I feel like they, they would have been. I feel like they would have been all right. Aren't they getting like a twenty-five million dollar deal with Spotify? And didn't they get something with Disney also? By the way, I remember that being in the news. Yeah, they like did. To do some they did. Work. They did. Some there was a whole like clip with them um, asking for opportunities for that kind of stuff, and like even to that part, and people would say that um, Megan is trying to expand her brand or ask for opportunities. First of all, the brand is the entire. Thing about the royal family that's the only one every anyone wants to see them is basically the brand and you mean to tell me that in 2020 that someone trying to expand something to make money is an issue for you because isn't that what everyone is doing you mean you don't think oprah billionaire is saying to herself me sitting down with megan and harry also puts me in the public spotlight longer and expands my brand politicians do it every time every conservative person who covered the story about the British royal family from America is doing it because they believe that this story is popular and enhances their brand. It's why we're even talking about them fucking now. It's what it is. Oh. So why is why is she not allowed to do that? Why does not why is that not allowed to be part of the thing? And also, isn't it the basis of how your entire empire was founded? Isn't it yeah. on the branding? Is like the fact that they branded the planet. We yes, have the Commonwealth you, Games. You're calling that. Oh, I, I hated when Kaizen was doing his Commonwealth Day homework. And I told him, you tell your teacher that y'all shouldn't. I hope y'all spend an equal amount of time learning about these countries that they went out and colonized, that you, as y'all are learning about the Commonwealth. But the fact that they branded an entire country, and to this day, those brands still exist. And that is how you built your empire. That is how you became the superpower. How are you now in 2020 saying that this one person trying to brand themselves seems off-putting? Really? It wasn't off-putting when you were going about the world subjugating all these people and draining their countries of natural resources. That's not off-putting. That was fine. That was cool. When the man's mother died. <laughs> and you get accused of possibly arranging it. That's not off-putting to you at all. That the future king and a prince, um, their mother died in a tragic car accident because of the support she did not receive. It, it, none of this is like registered with you. Uh, the And obviously Meghan and Harry watched the crown and then this, this lit a spark under them. See, they were like, see, this is the same shit. It's the same shit. Yeah. Anyway, so what, anyway. what what are they what are they doing now? Like what's the next step? They're just gonna live with Tyler Perry until something pops off. They're know. gonna have a podcast because everyone has a podcast. Oh. What wait, if they're not gonna talk about this though, what are they gonna talk about? I don't know. They gotta have to talk about this. She gonna have to like, especially like that first podcast. Barack Obama had his podcast. <laughs> what does he talk about? I, I just that. imagine him saying Sasha and Malia a lot. 
and Michelle. That's it. That's that's pretty much it. That's all he's gonna do. Okay, that's it. I think that we've fulfilled our <laughs> obligation to Shawnee, right? I feel yes. like this is enough content By for far. Shawnee. And Shawnee should message us right after this and say thank you at the very least. No, there's going to be so many things that she said we didn't address and didn't get to. I don't know. We probably should have just had her on. I don't. Wait, why didn't she say that? Why didn't she say I want to be on the podcast? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Shawnee, I was just know I was going to draw a parallel between the Black Bachelor and Megan and Harry, but we didn't get to, and we have to move on in the pod. It's a Black Bachelor. It's a Black Bachelor. Oh, when they started doing that. There's a black bachelor and he apparently picked a white woman who went to a plantation party in 2018. Uh, and people are saying that that should, um, Chris Hansen got suspended from the show because that should not be a big deal because 2018 was different from now. Uh, of course. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. I, no. Sorry, Shawnee. I didn't get to, yeah, just, you could have a separate on. podcast on that. You just move on. So let's jump over that shit. Pops give a jump to the, to the Oscar movies because the Oscars are being announced, I guess, today or um, tomorrow. I think it's on Monday and this podcast should be coming out on Monday unless now tells me the podcast schedule has to change because now the seven podcasts and you got to give no, them. No, I'm telling you now, you can just put it up. Okay. So Monday is coming out and for the first time, Nala Dorset right. has watched a majority of the right. potential Oscar-nominated movies. First time ever. And this is amazing. And I feel like movies. you should have the floor right now to like deep dive into this. Like, what is your ranking system? Who um, really stood out to you? What do you think was the best? Like, just go. The crazy shit about it is, and this is real time, behind the scenes stuff, right? As we were prepping for the part and Kari was giving me the list of movies, first of all, I don't even know what's on the list. Like I didn't do any yeah. research into yeah. who was nominated or who's rumored to be nominated. I don't know nothing but none of that shit. But as he was asking me the movies and he wasn't expecting me to watch them, but I got like five under my belt. Yeah. One through line and all of this, so all mm-hmm. black movies. And so this is the only year that this could have happened, but it's great that it happened in this way because by mistake, I seen them all. <laughs> by mistake, I've seen them all. Yeah. So let's let's dive into this. First, my first comment uh would be that don't for, don't forget this many uh black artists being nominated this time next year when shit is open and we could go oh, to the movie theaters. And then like you don't have the same kind of a, a nomination because Judas and the Black Messiah is mm-hmm. possibly going to be nominated for Best Picture. Um, Lakeith is not getting a nomination. Daniel is probably getting a nomination. Shaka King probably not getting a nomination. Um, but just Judas and the Black Messiah. Just um, okay. what were your thoughts on that? Like, what did you think about that movie upon watching that? The Fred Hampton story is like one that was very, I think, near and dear to us. So yeah, just, yeah. just go. So- so when I first heard about this years ago and like Fred, Fred Hampton, I teach this to Kaizen all the time. Fred Hampton, definitely in my top five civil rights activists. I feel like his story was never told thoroughly enough. And by the way, for people who haven't seen this, I think it's very important to note that this is not a Fred Hampton biopic. So if you're going if you're going into this thinking you're going to learn the ins and outs and the stories of Fred Hampton, that's not the case. He's of course 
an integral part of the story because he is in this case he is the black messiah but it's not a movie about fred hampton it's about what was going on in chicago during this portion of the civil rights era but more importantly it's a story of this one man that struggled with with these issues one man that struggled uh bartering his personal future and where his life story was going to go and the story of the movement so really this focuses on bill o'neill and bill o'neill as you know is the guy that pretty much gave up Fred Hampton and gave up the Black Panther Party. So this is a story about Bill O'Neill, not a story about Fred Hampton. As much as I wanted it to be a Fred Hampton story, I think the way that the way that they did this and the way that they told you the story through Bill O'Neill's eyes and the struggles that he had that he had to deal with, how he came into this situation, how he went from just being someone that was adjacent to the movement to being someone that actually got to believe in the movement and was conflicted with what he did. My, the first time I ever learned about Bill O'Neill, I actually watched the Eyes and the Prize documentary and that was that was the opening scene. But the real documentary where I, I saw him talk about it and you could see the torment in his face and then you learn that he committed suicide shortly after that. So for people that wanted the movie to be a Fred Hampton biopic, they may have been disappointed, but I think taking it from this angle, telling the Bill O'Neill story really gives you better insight into what America was doing at the time, what COINTELPRO was, how evil of a person J. Edgar Hoover was, what the, what the rift between the average citizen in Chicago and much of the US and the police force was like at the time. It gives you a more all-encompassing view of everything rather than just focusing strictly on the Fred Hampton storyline. Okay. Um, my first, I guess, uh, take on what you said would be you have a top five civil rights leaders of all time. Like it's a, yeah. you can tell you cup of sports, like it's an NBA list. Like these are my top five scores yeah. <laughs> after 2000. Yeah. I have a no. top five list. You know what caused you know what caused me to be like this at a young age watching High Fidelity. So you have a top five list for everything. That's I, I mean that's very true. Hampton would be Hampton would be top three. Yeah, because um, you got to think overall game. See the 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 only problem the problem with Hampton was and you got to look at Hampton the same way you look at Biggie and the way you look at Gail Sayers. Because yeah, the it's the age. like I, yeah. I always say look, Fred Hampton, Fred Hampton could have been the LeBron of the civil rights era mm. if he had the kind of longevity and a full career. Like if Fred Hampton lived to be in his 50s or 60s, are you kidding me? The numbers he would have put up would have wouldn't have Just even been close. Would have chased Kareem. He already had the Rainbow Coalition in the bag at 21. Are you kidding me? It ain't even close. That's like LeBron going to the finals in his third season. You, you even have to think about how, um, for instance, how Malcolm X evolved over time, yeah. that the same thing happens to Fred Hampton. And then, you know, LeBron getting a post game, like these kinds of things happen to the greats. Like you evolve as you age, you get better. You get to see the floor. You see the game completely differently. Because there were even things in the documentary where um, you think, Yes, this is his philosophy, but does he change part of this philosophy as he ages and as he sees what America uh, becomes more and more? And I think 
I enjoyed the movie. Part of my issue was it was the entire Lakeith character because it seemed to me to be more a movie about him than about Fred Hampton. And I want to watch yeah. the Fred Hampton. I, I, you put Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, to, first of all, name it Black Messiah and Judas. So have the Judas character be, I think, like secondary to what happens as opposed to being, um, I think, so much at the forefront of the movie. And I understand that all of those things are necessary, but I think that there should have been more scenes with Fred. And I think Daniel Kaluuya, like his even Oscar bid and his chances to get nomination are kind of hurt by that. I think he should still get it, but it's, it almost seemed that he was in a supporting mo role more so than the lead role. Like we, we don't it's need all those scenes with, with Jesse for me. Like I, I don't, didn't need all that FBI shit. shit. I want a full COINTELPRO movie, fine, make that movie, but have this Fred, and I understand you can't divorce those two things from the story. And we're quibbling about like some things about a movie that we enjoyed or a story we always wanted to be told. Because when you hear the story, it seems, it doesn't seem outlandish. It seems like, yeah, that shit happens. And, you yeah. know, like other people watch a movie and then they ask you, did this shit really happen? Like, yeah, the FBI was really moving yeah, like there, that. There were like, 99 all shots of those, to one. That was, all that of was those a real things thing. happen. That's a real thing. And um, I, because we, I think, knew the story from a, a young age it, and kind of grew up with it, um, it held a different kind of place. And do you have this thing with Hollywood where you just say like, I want to do over. You, you know who I, who I who I said I would never want to do over on like the Malcolm X movie. Like Spike Lee did that, and I've never thought I want to do over on that one. Until Selma, I didn't think that there was ever an effective Martin Luther King. Yeah, there um, was there was never a great one until so, then. And now somebody, with Fred, I think like, like we have one. This is okay, but I feel like someone could go back into back into the bag on this one, honestly. Yeah, I because like like I was saying, if you want to explore more of the Fred Hampton story, you absolutely should because this didn't this didn't explore how he became this guy. We just walked in and saw this is who he was. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? This didn't talk up. This didn't talk about the Great Migration, uh, his family moving from Louisiana to Chicago. This didn't explore any of that. It really didn't even get deep into exactly what the Rainbow Coalition was. That in itself is amazing. Where you had yeah. all these different ethnic groups, but everybody, everybody brought together by the fact that the the wealth gap was so wide that they're in the same box. Mm -hmm. We didn't really have we didn't really have that in here. This was more about of that. I felt know. like 2020, 2021 needed more of that discussion. It needed more, it does need more class of discussion by Fred. And, and if we if didn't if we have had, enough of it, and that yeah. kind of like what left me wanting, honestly. And Jesse as the main villain, I need Hoover to always be the main villain in every story because he is the most, dis one of the worst people that country has ever produced. And I don't think enough people know how much shit he was responsible for. There was a time a, in another example where he's more, more influential than, than several presidents. presidents. And to me, that's the thing. Like even the um, Leonardo DiCaprio, J. Edgar movie, didn't go deep enough or didn't Bullshit. focus enough because you know sometimes when a um, a biofilm tries to go from cradle to grave the person like it doesn't work like you take a time period in their life and this is what technically that's what this kind of try to do with Fred Hampton like you take a time period of their life and focus on that 
because yes, those things like when you're younger, it informs a person. But we have a two-hour movie or a three-hour movie. But his life was so short; we could have done it though. Yeah, you could you could have done it. Like we didn't, and Lakeith could have showed up later. Like that could have been, um, I don't know, like a few scenes of the movie. Like to me, that really should have been a supporting role, yeah. and have the FBI out there as you know, like a um, the the villain in the movie. Because back then they were when they were talking about these things, like they were looking at um, any kind of black leadership or a black messiah, the way that modern governments look at terrorism and ISIS and that kind of shit. And it was, and I think like that's the parallel that needed to be drawn out more if you're discussing the FBI, because the way that they were saying it, it seems like cartoony to people. And what what I feel is like sometimes it gives like white people a pass because it's like see that's racism like because he's so extreme like that's the side of it it was like no this is how the government worked when they thought something should have been um like honestly oppressed like they were trying to oppress and stomp out the movement and they weren't being shy with it like this isn't even the time of email this is the time you had to print memos out <laughs> and send it yeah, to people like, which, which they did this is yes that is racism that's when they were allowed to be overt about them the feelings didn't change the way you express them changed like it just became more covert there were just other ways for people to go about putting it out there do you think do you think uh the tone of the chicago police department just really changed and people are like yeah we're gonna see things for the better after this life is gonna move on and we're gonna live in this post-racial america that's not how any of that shit worked like that still exists and obviously given everything that america has dealt with over the last year you see how prevalent all of these issues still are at at the height of the summer when the protests for george floyd were really breaking out right i think one of the most startling things is whenever i would share like a, a real news clip or a real documentary from the 60s in our group and you hear people speak they would say the same exact issues that are out today. Like nothing is different from that time period to now. And I think that's one of the scariest things there is. And it's all the same. And I think like for this movie to come out uh, 2020, 2021, like it all kind of is, is that this movie is being made before then. Like people had these thoughts in their mind, like this, the George Floyd thing, I think was the, the water that broke the dam, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't why all of these projects kind of got film, uh, yeah. um, filmed well, and invested in at the yeah. same time. Because during this time, you also had One Night in Miami, and then that had its own different kind of like connotations. Wesley Morris described it, and he described a lot of these um, black civil rights movies as Avengers movies because you get all of the like main people in one place and they all have to get like their shine in one night Miami to me Sam Cooke steals the movie and just based off of Regina King I'm like yeah that's that's the that's the movie I want to see get more and more accolades because to me the Sam Cooke Malcolm X conversations are the kind of conversations we see on social media a lot of time amongst black people because black people have a different kind of 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 discussion each time and then all of that harping at sam cook got sam cook to make i think the greatest i think civil rights and negro spiritual song that ever it's, existed it's and like to, how it happened 
Right. Of course, it's not how it happened. They weren't even all the same there yeah. at, the, at, yeah, yeah, yeah. at the same time. But yeah, like, you, you gotta, have you creative license to do these things because like right. this picture exists and then you could put people in the, and you just imagine a scenario where they all kind of hung out because they were all um, kind of like circular friends at, at some point. And like, like, of course, like, like uh, Judas and the Black Messiah endeavors to tell a story in a way where they say that everything in this is factually accurate. One Night in Miami is a story that says these people were connected and we can take creative creative license to say what of these discussions took place. And then, and of course, like this movie and another example, it, like it doesn't even get into the death of Sam Cooke and how Sam Cooke, um, how that became a whole other thing. So we don't even, we're not even gonna go into that, but to me, that was the most effective or affecting movie. I think like the one I watched it affected me the most. And I like, I know you were about to like, no, this is not real. This is not how it happened. No, I I, I tried. I tried not to be that guy when it came to historical context about them about this movie and enjoy it for what it is because I think the ideas around it were great. Like you said, the most important thing that you have to walk away from this uh, thinking about are those conversations between Sam Cooke and and Malcolm X because that's the conversation that's always had between woke Twitter and LLC Twitter. Like that's. That that's that's the through line there. That's the one that's that's most prevalent in in today's society. But it's actually believable because at that time period in history, when there was there was nothing more important in sports than the heavyweight championship of the world. So at this point, Cassius Clay on his way to being Muhammad Ali, absolutely the most important thing going on, not just in sports but in black culture at the time. And I think all famous black people when they were in the same city this kind of thing did happen they did have the meetups because you all had to go to the same areas you all had to eat at the same restaurants you all had to stay at the same places and you're a small demographic and you're in this together so yeah they did move in those same kind of circles and you saw that when Muhammad Ali had to relinquish his title and all of those black sports figures came together and said that that they were supporting him so it takes you back to that nostalgic moment. You feel you feel that same kind of unity and oneness, and you think, yeah, this is pretty cool for all of these powerful, influential Black figures to just be in this one space together and have this moment and witness, witness this triumph of Cassius Clay becoming who he eventually was going to be. Like them having the actual announcement where he told the media, I'm no longer known as Cassius Clay. I'm going to be Muhammad Ali. That was important to have in there because it showed, excuse me, it showed how his transition from just being the sports figure to becoming something else was what a black man had to do in that time period to really seek for the development of the entire race and not just the development of himself kind of unfair that they were framing Sam Cooke as this person who was just interested in development of self because Sam Cooke's whole thing was look if we want to be equal we got to be equal with the checkbook like we need economic equality and I'm going to find a way to get this economically yeah Sam Cooke, Sam Cooke went full Jay-Z yeah like and he's not wrong Sam Cooke wasn't wrong and no. his story is his story is completely undersold and undervalued because it does not get talked about enough 
like his oh okay I, I thought you meant like in, in general in general culture yes it does not get talked yeah about in general enough. culture uh, like his, but his not music, in the movie yes. because the, the movie has a specific purpose that is trying to um is it's trying, try, to it's trying to extrapolate and, and then and then i think like it it allowed both sides to um show those points and i think like regina king like the way that she had those characters just in rooms having all of these important um, racial discussions because sometimes there's not a lot of what you see on television or in, in film is black people discussing race amongst themselves and having differing opinions, but still on the same spectrum and still fighting for the same cause, uh, but have different ideas on how to get there. And then saying like, you are too extreme for this. You are going along this path and you, and, and especially when you consider how the lives of each of those individuals played out, like you could see the pitfalls and where they were and, and where, um, where they took a little piece of the advice or if they moved a little differently where, yeah, they, they could have uh, uh, different outcomes. But to me, that was the most, I think, fascinating one. And it was part of it is because it was, it was based on real people, but not a real event that happened. Yeah, it was it, a, a, a great Avengers moment. And I think, I, I think I think it's also important to note that this always happens in every era of any movement. Like, because you're a smaller demographic, you don't operate like a monolith. You know what I mean? Um, w. E. B. Du Bois thought Marcus Garvey was way too extreme, and they did everything to tear him down. Like they they did not want Marcus Garvey. And this was back this was back in the twenties before anything dealing with what we think of as the modern civil rights era. You fast forward it to the modern civil rights era and Malcolm and Martin were opposed. Like when they were, when they were planning the March on Washington, Bayard Rustin absolutely said, do not have Malcolm X as a part of this. We cannot have him as a part of this because this is not what we want to portray. Yeah. That doesn't change. And you even see, you see differences today in the, the in, in during this entire summer, you had, I mean, I'm not going to get into specific names, but there were people on different sides of the divide. Sean King. <laughs> so, That's who you met. That's who you got to talk about. It's, yeah. It's, no, it's never one voice, man. They, they, there's always going to be different. Even if you're moving toward the same goal, there are always going to be people thinking there are different ways to go about it. And that's just a natural part of the process. You just got to filter out what works and what doesn't. Jim Brown ain't get enough, though. Yeah. What, you mean enough play? Yeah, I wanted some more Jim Brown. It could have been, you know, it could have been more Jim Brown because he was also, like, I think the second strongest actor. Yeah. The guy who played um, Muhammad Ali, I think, I don't know how long he's been acting, but I think, like, amongst that group, he had to do the most and like Muhammad Ali is just such a difficult part to play. I always thought Aldous Hodge would play you if we had a TV, if we had a movie. Aldous Hodge would absolutely play you. Like that, that, that dude is you. Thank you. Yeah. I'll take I, it. Yeah, I'm just saying. I appreciate it. It's not, yeah. it's nothing negative. Who would play you? Maybe it would have to be his brother. That's the way it works. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. By the way, rounding rounding out my rounding out my top five. Of course, you have the big two. Uh, they're one and two. Malcolm goes one. Oh, you really want to go? Malcolm goes one. Martin goes two. Uh, uh, Stokely Carmichael goes three. Fred Hampton goes four, 
and finally Lou Hamer goes five. Wow. Okay. Angela okay, Davis that's... gets honorable mention at six, but finally Lou Hamer goes five. I would go. Um, I'm gonna go, and even a better question because this question uh, about Malcolm would be like if LeBron doesn't win the fifth ring. Yeah. So if Malcolm doesn't leave the Nation of Islam and becomes a different person, where does he go on the list, or does he still is he still top five? I don't think point? I don't think he becomes number one. I think him leaving the Nation of Islam is his. That's that's his going to the Heat moment. I mean, mm. you know what? It, it absolutely might do more than that. I feel like him leaving the Nation of Islam and what he started I'm sorry, to I'm become. Sorry, because of everything is but LeBron. I know, I know, I know, I know. But we started the whole Blake Griffin signing podcast saying, you know what? We just got to be okay with four. We got to rationalize yeah, yeah. being okay with four. But anyway, yeah. him leaving the Nation of Islam and becoming that guy was the equivalent to winning with the Heat and then also winning with the Cavs. To me, yeah. that that was like three championships rolled into one. If that doesn't happen and he stays under the thumb of Elijah Muhammad, then I don't know. I think eventually history does not look back on him favorably. I think I, I we think, may end up looking at him like how we look at Elijah Muhammad. Like you was just. I, I honestly think um, my top five. I I have to go. Um, uh, Malcolm one, Fred two, MLK mm-hmm. at three, just for you know full body of work. Angela four, and yeah. I would say Huey or, and Stokely at at five, um, just in in my or even like I feel like Denzel has an outsized importance for me because like he has such a He's influence. I would I would honestly be like he he um, elevated Stephen Biko to top ten, and then yeah. <laughs> this is a, this is awful. Yeah, no, I, I dog, I'm not even laughing at that because I get it, like. Yeah. Like as you said it, I was like, you know what? Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Okay. Okay. Trial of Chicago Seven. It's another one that you watch. This is amazing. Yeah. Um, I wanted the Bobby Seal part to be a bigger part of the story. I'm not gonna lie. Dog. I I wanted Bobby Seal to be a bigger part because because while he's not in while he's not in the top five and everything that happened between him and Huey. I don't know how much I can blame them for what happened with the Black Panther Party because we know everything that Hoover was doing in their entire disinformation campaign to go yeah. in there and purposely fuck it up. So I don't know how much blame the actual members of the party get, but I digress. I wanted the Bobby Seal thing to be a bigger part of the story because I always want the Black Panthers to be a bigger part of the story in every row. But the Chicago, the Chicago 7 was great. I think it's required viewing for everyone that considers themselves a liberal because you need to know about this seminal moment in modern liberalism like a lot of y'all were born in this moment like you are Mm -hmm. who you are because of this because of that and and Sasha Baron Cohen this was his damn it I was going to do a LeBron thing again this was his LeBron against Detroit in the Eastern Conference <laughs> Finals moment right here. Uh, like, I don't know. That would be Borat for me. It would be Borat ooh, for me. I, get, yeah. See, but no, when comedians step out of that role and they're in a drama, and he was able to walk the fine line between being a comedian in a drama, playing a serious role, but also providing comedic relief. But did you see and him in Spy, me, the, Nef- the Netflix show where he was a Israeli spy, I think? That- yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's where he got a lot of his uh, dramatic chops, yeah. at least for me. And I think, you know, Aaron Sorkin, I'm a big Aaron Sorkin fan. Oh. 
you know. I, I don't know what it is about like, and you, you tell me how you feel about this, like the Netflix aesthetic on how they do movies. Like as soon as you watch it based on the cinematography, Netflix is kind of like Marvel, like the opening scene, you know, this is a Netflix movie. Yes. Whereas had this project gone somewhere else other than Netflix, what does it look like? And sometimes it takes a, it takes a while for me, unless it's in black and white, to divorce like what happens in or how a Netflix movie is viewed and how great it's going to be regardless of um, who the actors are. Uh, and like, is it really, does it seem more so like a TV show or does it seem like cinematic? This seemed kind of like a TV show for me um, for, and some of the acting performances, I, I don't know. I was just been like, eh. Sasha Baron Cohen was good. Um, Jeremy Strong, that's my guy. I think he was good. Yahya was good. And, but the rest of the performances, I think, like when Joseph Gordon-Levitt showed up, it always seemed like you look too young to be playing this part, even though I don't even know what the real guy looked like at the time. But like, sometimes it was we, taking we me out lost. the movie. Or it We've like, seen him so long though. We yeah. forget that he's like 40. That's true. But go ahead. That's true, that's true. But just on the on the basis of what's in the movie, you're absolutely correct on this being like a seminal liberal moment. And the same thing with One Night Miami, it's liberal characters in a room the discussion, discussing the inner works of liberalism and how each different group wants to take it in a different direction or wants um, different things for their group. And Eddie Raymond's character, Tom Hayden, um, and I think like, because remember we used to see Tom Hayden uh, a lot on TV and then he kind of like, um, obviously as he got older, like th that wasn't a part of, of what he did anymore. But yeah, the, the Tom Hayden character, I think it could have been portrayed differently. And then, you know, I didn't think Eddie Raymond was that great in it. I know he's a good actor, but I didn't know if that was a good role for him. And, and like the movie has its issues. I'm actually surprised that this is getting Oscar consideration. I like when, the moment I watched it, I was just like, oh, it's a good movie for people to like, it's like a good informative movie, you know? Yeah. Like art makes you think about things in a certain kind of way. And obviously we know Aaron Sorkin is a liberal. He's coming at this with a liberal perspective, but also wants to be like a truth teller from history. And I, 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 um, I got that at the end of watching this to be like, you know, that moment where you say, I got to Google this to see how this exactly went down or let me watch a documentary afterward to like further mm -hmm. inform myself. And maybe I watch the movie again. That's what I thought this was trying to fulfill. Like, I didn't think he was like doing a social network kind of thing. And to me, this was peak Aaron Sorkin being in his bag, right? Like, if you were an Aaron Sorkin fan going into this, you were going to like this movie because he gave you everything that that he always gives you. He gives you, he gave you. You had the, you had the, <laughs> you had the very important conversations while people are walking, which is an Aaron Sorkin staple. Walk like, and that talk. has to happen. Walk and talk is always an Aaron Sorkin thing. You had the soliloquies where you go off on the tangents about, you know really important social justice issues that force you to not only chastise others but force you to look in the mirror at what you're doing like he gave you everything in there you had you had the comedic relief when necessary you had the lead character that always seems confused and smoldering whenever he looks into the camera because that's yeah. what tom hayden was doing most of the time just, most of the just time, smoldering yes. but it 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 was uh, an aaron sorkin movie and when you're in that position with that platform 
you got to tell the story of your people and this, these are his people like these are the people that made him who he is so you tell the story this this is what black directors and writers should do tell the story of your people that's how judas and the black messiah got made this is what everybody needs to be doing to get their own narrative out there and it allows you to be in control of that and not leave it up to other people yeah i, 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 I liked it no i i liked it i think that like but if this were to be the movie that won I no, think like I your opinion would be like, get the fuck out of here. Like, no yeah, way. Yeah. Like the, I think it's perfect that you you said it, it was kind of on that line making you think whether this is a TV show or a movie, which I think is great for 2021 because when you look at the way people consume most of this now, I think most people would rather a short mini series or have been to watch a series than a movie in general. Yeah, I I, I would much prefer the spin uh, series and like we got an entire Bobby Seal episode, you know. Yeah, yeah. Play so that's like that's that. just that's just the way we we consume most of this now. Like if you there's there's a meme there's a meme going around oddly enough also involves Oprah where people um where it says two hour movie and you know you're thinking no it was ninety minute movie and you're thinking uh-huh. that's way too long I'm not gonna I'm not I can't get into that. But three hour miniseries, like, like that yes. seems much more digestible. Yes, like, I can I'm do that. Rock with this, yeah. Which doesn't really make sense, but it somehow does. That's in, in COVID terms, it makes sense somehow. Yeah, in COVID terms, it makes sense. It's like when you're not actively going to the theater to watch it, and yeah. like you're just home, you're like oh, okay, I could take a, a break between hour one and hour two. But like when you're watching a two hour movie, you have to be um, you locked in. You locked in for that. Um, so what was the other one that you watched that um, soul, soul. Yeah. I, th- I think soul needs to be up there it needs to be nominated for Pixar to Pixar to, I mean Pixar doesn't care they will continue to, to like yeah. have black characters and do it. but I think that that was one of the best Pixar movies that I had seen and they keep they keep going for adult themes in children's movies they and really they don't hold back and that was the greatest part of, of soul for me you know, you know what? Every time I watch one of these, uh, it makes me think, wow, y'all really must have got a lot of complaints about parents saying they didn't have anything invested in these kids' movies. Like, no, really it, doesn't it make you wish that you were a kid in this era growing up to be like, look at me I watching know. all these adult themes when I'm 12. They're, they're exposed to so much more. And I honestly feel like there were some parents in that boardroom saying, this is bullshit. We need to also entertain these parents because they're the ones spending the money. They're the ones that are also going to be in there while we got they got to yeah. watch this kid stuff. So let's give everybody something. Keep the parents engaged. To That's be like, their- parent, have an existential crisis for two hours while your kid eats popcorn. Go. Yeah, like that's that's literally been their whole thing. Cute, cuddly characters, but also teach you about death and how to be a better person and how to live. And then to have a black lead and mostly black characters throughout the film. The thing pieces and conversations surrounding this shit was pissing me off, though. I actually didn't participate in it because this is around Christmas. Like, I ain't doing this for Christmas. I'm just going to watch and enjoy this movie. Oh, no, like this. It's like, of course, I didn't give a fuck about it, but it's, it's almost impossible to avoid seeing people talk about it in these ways. And I just what were the pieces so because i i don't i honestly don't remember this it was it was it was centered around a lot of a lot of it not being black enough 
so to speak. Like that, that's basically the crux of the entire issue. It's usually what the, it's usually what the criticisms of, of all of this stuff is, because while you had, uh, you had the lead character, but you had people saying, oh, but the voice of what was the, the spirit or whatever, the, I don't know, 22, I think it was anyway, the yeah. voice of the other character that you know that's that's not black that's clearly that's clearly a white woman and this is it's another stupid it's this is stupid. another thing it's in the stupid. white savior complex that's that's gonna have to be like part of another podcast topic we have to get to because you know we saw uh end the podcast with stay woke yeah i feel like we would not end the podcast with that anymore <laughs> like no, i just i, I mean hate. no but why why wouldn't you though like i i don't feel like I don't know. I hate the fact that because to me that is just dumb. And what are you complaining about? And what is the per- like to me that was the same Bomani point you were mentioning because that person is performing and not informing that their goal is to perform for people. But the that whole the, entire that, purpose behind being being woke that just means enlightenment. That just means accepting things that you or learning things that you weren't privy to before how could that ever yeah be and then the you change that, that turned into a negative thing it, it blows my mind every time i hear people try to try to use that as a pejorative term woke just means you're learning that just means you're awakened to something now, else that i just I, I watched um vice last night and it was a scene with frank luntz when they um changed global warming to climate change and when they um, change the language from inheritance tax to the death tax. So when a word or phrase gets changed or the meaning of it gets manipulated, that thing kind of sticks. And it sticks because now think about how we even talk about climate change. It is now called climate change. It's not called global warming anymore because conservatives thought that was too harsh. So I, I get what you're saying, but I, I think like more not more, but some of my ire has to be directed towards the person who is then calling a spirit voiced as a white person, a white savior trope, because that is not the same thing. That is actually not the fucking trope because it's a spirit in a kid's movie. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking know, man, but um, I think I it needs to get there. I guess it was supposed to be rapping or singing R&B or whatever. I don't know what it was supposed to be doing. I don't know. But there, there, there's a whole there's a whole other discussion in America about being what is considered black enough. And oddly enough, that ties back into a lot of the Meghan Markle shit. Ties back into the Tiger Woods shit. It ties back into all of that. Fucking full circle. But that is that is it for your Oscar movies that you've watched, right? Yeah, if there's anything else that got Oscar, I don't even know okay. if I watched another movie in this time period. I just watched like... Can I movies. just say, so at some point we can have this discussion so you could watch um, Promising Young Woman. I feel like I mean, you would... Uh, that, that black? It have, I want to say, two or three black characters. Ooh, that's not enough. I don't know how many. <laughs> I think the cast is, might be about like 30 or 40. Ha, nope. Next. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Black Bottom. Have you seen that? Oh yes. Oh, how could we look at it? Look at that. Another one. Barney's <laughs> Black that? Bottom. Yeah. Okay. okay. And you and Borat. You saw. I'm gonna watch it. I haven't seen it. You are gonna watch Borat. The Five Bloods is like on the outside looking in. I feel also like. seeing that. I watched the shit out of these black movies. 
Yeah, yeah. The five bloods is on the outside looking in. Let, again, let's hope this is like when we're not in the pandemic and people actually get to show up for the yeah. award ceremony. Let's hope yeah. to keep the same energy. Um, and let me see what else. Or the Mauritian. The five bloods was the Spike Lee that I love, by the way. Like, I... I was so concerned after that. Uh, what was the Chicago one that I hate so much that I thought was going to be the end Iraq? of his career? I thought that was going to be the end of his career. I but said, that was slightly yep. jumped the shark. He's never coming back. And he found his way back. And I felt so good watching The Five Bloods. And two movies that will not get nominations that I think you should watch or you would enjoy. Steve McQueen, um, Mangrove, and Love is Rock. 100%. Hundo P. How or black like ninety-eight percent, ninety-eight percent to hundred percent. Black. Yes, both. Oh, okay. Yeah. This I'm is in. on. It's it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, all right. I have that by mistake until December. So yeah, I'm in. Yeah. No, seriously, because he did like a whole small act series, so it's five films, and then you watch Mangrove, and then um, uh, Lovers Rock. Um, in Lovers Rock. Does that have anything to do with reggae? Yes. I knew it. Because you can't call and, something lovers wrong. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Plus, and his British. people from Grenada. His and people from Grenada. Is British. So listen, listen, listen. I think. Who do you think is the lead in in lovers rock? Not Idris. Come on. Okay. Think top. Jamie. Jamie. Ah, uh, okay. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah, Jamie. His real name is Michael Woodward. That's why I, was, I said Michael. And then you went Michael from The Wire. Because I was like, well, oh, yeah, Jamie, yeah. yeah, but Jamie's in it. You're you're gonna enjoy Jamie in it. So um, I think that's it for the Oscar movies. They'll be coming out today. We will see. I will not be like I, I don't really give a fuck about you know the like unless it's a. I, I don't think any of the performances were like so good that if they don't get nominated, like it's um, like a huge deal or that big of a deal. But I think like the quality of work when you're you know comparing what I'm not this looking to, forward. To? What I'm not looking yeah. forward to, though, you know, there's going to be conversations around anything that Chadwick gets nominated for, and people saying, "You know what? I get it, and he deserves the honor, but this performance should—this was more of a lifetime achievement award, and this performance wasn't good enough to get it." I think you're going to have those conversations no matter what. Like, you're going you think to it was good enough? I don't know how people rate these things. Like, I don't even. Know I mean, but they, like, do you think was it the best that you saw him? Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I feel like he was very good in that. And I also feel like he was really good in the Five Bloods. I'm not the right person to ask him this kind of thing because I always always think he's good in in things. I think both of those roles, he did a really good job in. Um, He pretty much carried the entire Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And while, while he didn't carry the Five Bloods, he also had a very important role in that. I mean, I don't think... I don't think he should get it for the five bloods, but I do think if he gets it for Maureen's Black Bottom, I am out of that. I am out of none of it. Like, who cares? They've been they've been getting these awards for bullshit. Macklemore won best album over Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> don't give a fuck. Very upset. Very angry. All right. Uh, last part of this podcast, um, I feel COVIDversary. Yeah. COVIDversary. You see a light at the end of the tunnel, vaccines coming out. There's a summer possibility that, you know, give us us free. Well, for y'all um, in Toronto. Y'all gonna be free. Y'all free now. 
Nas Humphrey no. Yeah, yeah. You talk about outside. No, no I can go on Instagram and Nassau is open. It's, I, it's just I, open. Yeah, what do you? I there was one snap yesterday. A bunch of my parents had dinner. There's no mask in sight. They had even had a mask around the table. It was just like, yeah, we chill it, we vibe. And there's like 20 people in the pockets. Is like they now pocket squares. Mask yeah, pocket squares. That's the thing. Yeah, you need a design on it to make it look like something. To be like, so you walk in for that five minutes, or when you walk to the bathroom, once you're already in the place, like. It, Joe Biden trying, he doing his best. But like, like American governors would be like, all right, this shit over. Like they clapping. Yo, like if you were ever kind of murky on how important states' rights is as a thing in America, they are showing you right now states' yeah. rights because they are yeah. states' rights in the shit out of this. You, I, I always, I always equate states' rights to just them saying let us be racist because historically that's always what it's been right it is it is let us have slaves yeah that's that's historically what it's been what's the big deal so but now they're saying the same thing about this so texas is like bro pandemic over like y'all get vaccinated if y'all want but we're announcing that the pandemic is over like joe biden say um okay like everything by may we got like the first jobs in we looking at june Texas heard that and said, okay, we got to get ready then. The economy got to open so we be ready for it. So we good, right? We good. Meanwhile, half conservative, half conservative men say they're not going to take the vaccine. 37% of Latinos are not going to take the vaccine. And then I, I don't know what the number is for Black um, Americans, but there are going to be, which is to me why, like, I guess because of the demand for it, but like a lot of people don't want this vaccine at all and are not going to take it. And that is just how they, um, I don't know how, how they're going to go about the pandemic, but if they're not getting let into bars and restaurants and movie theaters or on flights, if that's how they want to live their life, cool. And I'm I even mad. And Colia, let me put it, I'll put my mask on. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not certain. And I don't know when the sea change was where society just decided that I don't care how long these people have been to school. I don't care that they've dedicated their lives to study this stuff. I don't care that they have official documentation saying that they are an expert on this. I saw a video on YouTube and I feel like that has educated and empowered me enough to know more about this than that person. And I'm just going to go with what this YouTube video tells me or this person on this message board. And that is the truth. When did that happen? Like, when did we become this? I don't know. I don't know, but I feel like that's, that's what we live in now. Like it doesn't matter. Probably around mid 2000s, around 2008, 2007, 2008. It's like, if you're an expert, it really don't matter. Yeah, like that kind of shit really started it and ratcheted it up. And that's where we are now. And it's the world you live in. Like people don't agree on facts. And if people can't agree on facts, this is where we will always be. There will always now be um, conspiracy theorists and people, like if someone in authority slips up or misspeaks, that sentence will be taken to mean that a conspiracy theory exists. When there is, yeah, and, and that's, that's always going to happen. Or even like, think about as many people who have gotten the vaccine, right? 
at what you hear about um, the anecdotal if, stories about if something one happens. person has an issue or, or like you about think about how many times you've people. heard about the 39 year old woman in utah who died um, um after she got the vaccine like you hear those stories over and over but you don't like a story isn't written every time a hundred million people have been administered no one's going to write 99 million stories yeah. about it not affecting people so that's just not how it works and which also goes back to capitalism and sales though because what's going to sell more yeah what are you gonna what are you gonna put out there that's gonna drive your bottom dollar up i mean i've after worked in the industry for a long time been in newsrooms and hear the difference in voice inflections when there's a salacious murder or something or when it's good news so you know what people want to sell like yeah <laughs> megan and harry wasn't going to do those numbers if it was a happy story that they were telling you know what i mean or if, or if they said that hey we going back yeah it wasn't yeah, gonna that's work what it was it's not yeah. the same thing and I don't like people are thinking about like those kind of implications. I just think about like the psychological implications of COVID after this is done. And then, you know, the people who are going to be at a, a rush to get out and how they interact with the world, because I don't know about you, like I said, NASA is open, but like sometimes you have a conversation and talk to someone and you see like the awkwardness in that conversation because you're yeah. not a person they're familiar with, but they still want to like reach out and you know, touch the rest of the world or, or speak to someone. And I think like we might deal with those kind of implications for a number of years, like well beyond it. And CNBC just posted a story about how just the effect of school being closed, what's that's gonna have on the economy and how long it's gonna take to recover because of that. Like, no, <laughs> no. But like, he's like one kid who has just been going at it, but have all of them, have all kids been, have they even been able to? So exactly. So you going to have a generation of people like their job market is going to be different as a result of this. Like everything is going to be different for them as they age, because this will be a determining factor in someone's life. And then Ben Shapiro will come on and say, you're making excuses about something. But that, like, that's what it's going to be. Yeah, I don't understand why all of you people dealing with this once-in-a-generation pandemic don't just pull yourselves up from your bootstraps. Stop being lazy. Yeah. That, that's that's what the rhetoric is lazy going to be around it. They good, but... Yeah. They... Are they? They okay? No, they, no they're the worst. They're yeah, the worst. They're not, they're not good. They like, they like M-Easy. They're the best at being the worst. That's what I think we should call it. Okay, I, I think that's it. I think we came back. We gave Shawnee some movies to watch. We talked about Megan. We did a little COVID anniversary. Andrew, at some point, will return to the podcast after he's done celebrating birthdays and watching Chinese cartoons. So I think that's it for me. Um, now I don't know if you have anything else left to say, but oh uh, no, I just gotta, I just gotta watch um, these. Now your audio is back better. Yes. Okay. Oh no, my, my microphone was my microphone was far away. Sorry, I moved. well not far away, but I did I did move it. I didn't see that message until just now. My bad. Jack. Okay. <laughs> this has been the I Need a Minute podcast. Thank you can you for change listening. the levels. Stay woke. Yeah. Well, you got to tell me how to change the level. <laughs>